Well, good morning. You guys look good today. I don't know what it is. It's something different, a new space or took a shower. I don't know. Uh, no, it's good to see you guys. My name is Tim. I'm the pastor here, and it's so glad you've joined us. If you're new with us, so glad you found us. Uh, this is our first week in this new space, and we're, we're glad to be here for multiple reasons. Uh, I won't rehash the whole story now, but uh, this was an unexpected move, uh, a quick timeline move, and uh, we're just overjoyed to be here uh, in the midst of all that. We're grateful, hopeful, uh, expectant for what God's going to do, not only in this space, but through this space as we're commissioned out during our weeks to go love Jesus, live like Jesus, and lead other people to Jesus. So we are so glad that you've joined us in the journey, even if this is your first time with us. Um, yesterday, a bunch of us were here getting ready for this day, and I got to talk to lots of people, and, and one older gentleman I got to speak with for a few minutes, and he was telling me about uh, back in the day, stories back in the day about this area, a little north of this area, where um, you could dove hunt at 7th Avenue and Northern, just a few streets up, and it was 1957. There was 300,000 people living in Phoenix at the time, and you could literally shoot birds in a field in this area. And, and I was thinking as he was talking, and we got to talk about how things have changed and how amazing things have changed and how now, 2018, there's 1.4 million people in greater Phoenix that instead of shooting birds in a field, we are gathering in the heart of our city, elevating, exalting the name of Jesus and that's a significant thing. God is moving. He's moving in our city. He's moving through Phoenix Bible Church in incredible ways. And we are we're grateful to be a part of it. And as I left talking to him, I couldn't help. As I walked around this space yesterday, we were here all day. As I walked around this morning, I couldn't help but think about what stories will we tell years from now. He, he's telling the stories from back in the day for him, what are those stories going to be for us? What are those stories we're going to tell about this area, about this space, about this neighborhood, about Central and downtown Phoenix? What stories are we going to tell about what God did in and through and around us? What stories are you going to tell as you're a part of this journey with us? I'm excited. I'm hopeful of those stories that God is writing even this morning. There's a story being written this morning in your heart, and your lives for Phoenix Bible Church as well. So glad to be here, expectant for what God is going to do. Uh, we are starting a new series today called Still Living, Still Living. And it's not a game of freeze. Uh, don't be confused, right? I know some of you were. It's not a, a still like just hold a pose. No, we're talking about what it means to quiet our soul, to be still before God. So not just leisure but genuine, authentic rest before our Creator. How do we live in a place of stillness? And we've talked about this a little bit over the last couple of weeks as we've prepped for this series that we want God to accomplish much in our lives. And I think if I, I talked to you today, even if I met you for the first time, you would not say to me, Tim, you know, I kind of want a boring career, a mediocre family, and a small house. None of you would say that. You would say, no, I want a, a great house. I want a, a great family, a godly family if you're a believer in Christ. I want to do great things in my career, in my profession for the purposes of God and the glory of God in the earth. You, you might say those things. You wouldn't say, I don't want those things. You would say, I want to accomplish much. And we would say the same thing as a church. I would say the same thing in our lives. 
But the reality is, before we can go, we have to stop. Before we can breathe out, we have to breathe in. And that's what this series is going to be about, is that what does it look like to breathe in? To stop. To be still. And what does God say that looks like? Because God talks about this a lot. We see the Sabbath and creation. We see uh, over and over our yoke is to be easy, light. Jesus comes to give us rest. What does that look like? What does that look like in your life? The reality is most of us don't know, right? As we describe our society, we'll use many terms to describe our society, words like busy, tired, overloaded, stressed, maybe even burned out. We'll use lots of words to describe our society. We'll use lots of words to describe ourselves, right? I've said some of those words in the last couple weeks. Hey, I'm I'm busy. Hey, I'm tired. I'm a little stressed out right now. Have you said those words? That's typically how we describe not only our culture outside, but our, our culture inside, even the church, right? Rarely do we describe ourselves as well rested. Like somebody came up to you this morning and said, hey, how are you doing today? And you just said, I'm glad you asked. I'm well rested, mighty favored in the Lord. Like I'm so still and quiet before the Lord. No, you said I'm, I'm a little busy, a little tired, a little overwhelmed, ready to get to the summer, ready to get to that vacation. Right? All of us want this idea of rest and stillness, but oftentimes we find cheap versions of it like leisure or like achievement or success. And it's that longing for a stillness that we don't know how to do this. And so God over and over is going to call us back to a stillness, to a rest. And so that's what we're going to look at over the next four weeks. We're going to do that in the book of our Bibles uh, called Psalm, Psalms. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, you're welcome to go back to one of those back two tables and just grab one. You won't offend me at all. I'd love for you to look at God's word, to have it out in front of you. So if you don't have a Bible, please grab one. Uh, you can also pull one up on your phone. BibleGateway.com is a great option. But Psalm 46, if you do have a physical Bible... Just open to the middle, and you'll find it pretty quick there. Psalm 46. We're going to be in verses 1 through 3 this morning. Ron just read. I'm going to read it again. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Selah. So this is a psalm. Literally, psalms are... Songs, poetry, many of them are written by King David. This one is not. You heard Ron read the introduction. This is written by the sons of Korah. We don't know a lot about Korah. Uh, What we do know is in the book of Numbers, which I'm sure you all have memorized and read for your devotions every morning. Uh, The book of Numbers, you can look it up, Numbers chapter 16. Korah is mentioned. He's in the lineage of Levi. He's a cousin of Moses. And I looked it up. There's a modern band actually today called the Sons of Korah. So if you want to tune into K-Love and see if you can stumble into that, check that out. But um, for our purposes today, we're going to focus on the content of the Sons of Korah, this Psalm 46. And as we start into it, we see quickly there is trouble. And it's not just any trouble. You know, there's three things. Look at the text with me. Three specific and traumatic troubles. One is the earth gives way. Two is mountains are collapsing into the sea. Three is waters are roaring. Essentially what's being described here is a world that is completely falling apart. 
It's significant trouble. It's catastrophe. It's crisis. Now, some of us may experience this literally. We have a danger to experience catastrophes in our lives. But even if you don't experience this literally, all of us have experienced this figuratively. All of us could talk about this morning ways in which that our life feels like it's falling apart, that our world around us feels like it's falling apart. The job, it's not going so well. Didn't get that promotion. The kids, they don't obey so well. They're not sleeping through the night. My friendships, we're at conflict, at odds with one another. It's not going so well. We all have that feeling, have had that feeling. Maybe some of you have that feeling even now that, hey, my world's kind of falling apart. I'm troubled, not literally in the way he's describing, but figuratively, as many of us can relate to. Uh, recently, my wife and I watched this movie called San Andreas. Have you guys seen this movie? I'm a little behind on movies, but um, it was a giant earthquake in California and a movie about that, and it's got The Rock in it. You guys know The Rock? So I don't know about you guys and, and your timeline in life and movies and just entertainment, but when I think of The Rock... I think of wrestling, not acting. And two of you do too, right? Because I just heard you yell out, so I know you, you think the same way. But I think of The Rock that way. So I'm watching this movie, and it's so hard for me to focus. Even amidst all the chaos and the earthquakes, I just can't help but say, can you smell what The Rock is cooking? Any wrestling fans? Two. Again, thank you guys. Let's watch wrestling later today and rest in wrestling. Um, but that movie... Getting back to the point, that movie, San Andreas, like most catastrophe movies, right? You guys have seen them. Even if you haven't seen this one, you've seen it, right? You know what happens. Everything's going crazy. It's all chaos around them. And you see fear start to rise up in different people. And you see some people respond to that fear courageously. But then you also see some people buckle and cripple in the midst of that fear. Have you seen this? In that movie specifically, there's a guy. He's the boyfriend of this woman who used to be married to The Rock. It's a long story, a lot of drama. Um, watch the movie, right? But uh, it, it's this guy who, as things start to cripple around him, crumble around him in this earthquake, he literally, in the midst of his fear, he starts to push people in front of buildings so that the buildings can fall on them, not him, right? And you see people do stuff like that, not only in the movies, but in life. When fear rises up in us, it does something to us, right? Uh, researchers, as I read books on this stuff before this sermon, researchers will tell you that many times fear is the root cause of all stress. Like somewhere deep down within, there's a fear of something. You may think it's surface level things and if this situation or circumstance could just change, but underneath that situation and circumstance is often a fear. And it causes a divide in our soul and in our relationships. Some of you guys have experienced this when you are stressed, when fear is flooding your mind and your heart, and you're in one of those moments, and maybe you walk up to some other people, some family, some friends, maybe you come home after a long day of work, and, and fear is getting the best of you, and you walk in the door, you walk in with your roommate, and, and the other people in that room, as you are fearful and, and anxiety-ridden, the other people in that room, they're not. They're, they're laughing. They're, they're resting. Maybe they're enjoying a nice meal. And you walk in and you see that. And if you're honest, you get a little bitter at them. You get a little even angry with them. Like, how could you? I mean, don't you know what's going on in my life? How serious this is right now? 
And look at you laughing and resting like nothing's going on. I mean, don't you know? Don't you care? Maybe you'll even start to belittle other people in your mind. Not, not tell them, but literally in your mind, you're just thinking, man, it must be nice. It must be nice just to go through life with no worries. Nothing important in your life, obviously. I mean, you wouldn't know what it's like to be me. It's so significant. I mean, I'm kind of a big deal. Like, oh, it must be so cute and nice that you don't have to go through that. They're laughing and, and still and resting and enjoying your life. And fear does some crazy stuff to us, doesn't it? You ever been there? It divides, it creates a divide, not only in our relationships, but in our very soul. It creates a divide between us and God, right? And so when the psalmist references fear, that we don't fear, he's doing that because our normative response to troubles is to fear. And as we fear, it divides everything in our lives. And so God wants to save us from that. He's kind enough and gracious enough to rescue us out of our fear and put us in a place of protection, and so he says, if you look at it with me again, Psalm 46, he says how to get out of this fear, how to not go down that road to division, but how to reunite with your creator and the way he's intended you to respond to trouble. Look at it with me. He says, take refuge in God. Find our strength in God. Find our very present help in God. That because God is my protector, I don't have to fear. God is my power, I don't have to fear. And many of us will say, okay, Tim, that's great. I mean, I do have some troubles in my life. I do have some fears in my life. Uh, they are kind of chaotic right now. They are kind of dividing my soul and dividing my relationships. And uh, so, okay, I'm just supposed to take my refuge in God. Okay, check. Um, find my strength in God and help in God. All right, sure, I got that. Um, what does that look like? I mean, that's harder than it is to read this. It's harder to live this out than it is to... To read and trust me, listen, I've been there. Uh, as we had uh, six weeks to find a new location that we're in now, as we were evicted out of the school we met in previously, when we got that notice on a Friday afternoon, we decided to scrap the sermon for that Sunday, to call us to a week of prayer, uh, to call us not just to prayer, but to surrender our lives and the situation before God. And that was hard to do, but it was the best decision we ever made. God did so much in us and through us and around us during that time. But listen, that does not mean there weren't moments of fear. Just because I knew our refuge and our strength is God, our help is God, let's surrender everything to him. Just because I knew that intellectually doesn't mean I lived that out functionally all the time. That week where we prayed and didn't know where we were going to meet on June 3rd was one of the longest weeks of my life. Right? God used it. It was a sweet time. But it was a long week. Why? Because I can get involved in fear. I can know that God is my refuge and strength and my help. I can get involved in fear and know those things, but still run to scramble, to solve, to divide my soul, to divide my relationships. Especially, especially when I would talk to some of you guys. As I would talk to some of you guys during that week, you would just say things like, Pastor Tim, God's going to provide I mean, God's got this. I mean, he's done it before. He's going to do it again. And, and in, my, in my voice, I said, yes, amen, praise God. 
in my heart, at little moments of fear, I thought, oh, you can worry a little bit. I mean, you can freak out just a little bit. That would be okay. I mean, churches have closed for less than this. It's okay to freak out a little bit, guys. I mean, yes, God's going to provide, but he does so through people. And, hey, maybe you could do something. Right? In, in my fear, in my moments of fear, even trying to see God as my refuge and strength and help, there were moments where I gave in to that fear and it divided me from God and from you. And so what does this actually look like? We're going to break that down over our last few moments together. The first thing he says, look at the verse, God is my refuge and strength. Refuge, it's the idea of a shelter from danger. And what's interesting about this shelter, some of us think it's a hiding place, and it is to some extent, but it's different than most hiding places that we know of. It's not like hiding like you're fearful, and so I'm going to hide and escape my problems and go binge watch Netflix. Not that kind of hiding, right? A refuge is a different kind of hiding. It's the idea in the original language that it's an impenetrable fortress. It's a strong shelter. We get clued into that a little bit because notice in the text it says he's our refuge and our strength. He's our protection and our power. Really important, right? Because if you think about it, you can have protectors in your life in quotes but if they're not powerful, what good does that do you, right? So if you have a cell phone case that's maybe even branded as a protector, right, but it has little leopard designs on it and little fuzzies on it, and you think it's real cute, and you're like, I got my cell phone protector. You drop that phone, it's going to crack in a split second, right? It's not protecting you that well, even though it's technically some sort of protector, right? Now, you have an otter box. Amen? I don't even have one, but I hear they're amazingly strong. You can drop that thing off the top of the Grand Canyon, and it's still intact. Maybe, right? You can drop that thing in a pool, and it's still intact. Why? Because it's not just a protector. It's powerful. You see, God is our refuge, and God is our strength. He's both. It's really important that he is both. Uh, Martin Luther, an old theologian, knew this, and he wrote a song about it based on this song. A mighty fortress is our God. Here's just one line from the song. It says, did we in our own strength confide? Our striving would be losing. We're not the right man by our side. The man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be. Christ Jesus, it is he. Jesus is the perfect example of this. A protection that's powerful. One who is a safe place, but who's also a strong place. One who can invite kids, children, to run into his arms, but one who can also defeat and conquer sin, Satan, death, and the grave. All right, Jesus is the picture of our refuge and our strength, our protection and our power. Right, so much so that in Mark chapter 4 in the New Testament, the winds and seas are roaring, just like this describes. It's actually happening to the disciples and to Jesus. And everybody's freaking out. And it's chaos, and it's trouble, and it's not still. And Jesus, in his power and his protection, says, peace be still. Because he is both our refuge and our strength. 
He cares enough to, about you to invade your problems. And he's also powerful enough to do something about it. Do you see that? This is a foreshadowing of who Jesus Christ is to you and to me if you've placed your faith in him. This is what you have in the midst of fear. This is who you can run to in the midst of fear. Second, God is my very present help. It's describing the immediacy, the sufficiency of God's help right now. Sunday, June 3rd, 2018, he's our very present help. Immediacy, sufficiency. In the middle of the night, the moment where you need it most, the moment where it does feel like everything around you is falling apart, God is our immediate, our sufficient help. Notice, look back at verse 2 with me. Verse 2, look at the verse. It says, it doesn't, it doesn't say we won't fear since. It doesn't say we won't fear because. What does it say? It says we won't fear though, yet. Right? You see, it's a very present help in your time of trouble, in it, in that moment when you need it. Not after it, not after the chaos is gone, not after the relationship is mended, not after the job smooths out. No, it's in the midst of your trouble. God is with you. He's your very present help. Even when the earth gives way, even when the mountains are moved into the heart of the sea, though the waters roar in that moment, in that place, June 3rd, 2018, at midnight, in that conversation, God is your very present help in your time of need. Do you see that? You see an example of this? Old Testament, Exodus chapter 14, Moses and the Israelites are on the run from Pharaoh and, the, and, uh, and Pharaoh in Egypt. And he's leading them out of this place. Exodus chapter 14, they come before this large sea. They got Pharaoh coming in behind them and his armies. They have this large sea in front of them. Right? You've probably seen this in a movie, Charlton Heston, Christian Bell, hopefully not. Um, prince of Egypt, right? You've probably seen this scene. Even if you didn't grow up in the church, you probably know the scene I'm talking about. That's the scene we're at in Exodus chapter 14. And here's what happens. Moses says to the people, fear not, stand firm, and see the salvation, the help, the very present help of the Lord, which he will work for you, not tomorrow, not in the future, but today. And then he says something really unique and profound. He says, the Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent or still. The Lord will fight for you. Pharaoh's coming. The armies are coming. The sea is in front of them. In that moment, very present moment, you be silent. You be still. The Lord will fight for you. You see, it's often when we stop that God moves. It's often when we become still that we begin to hear the voice of God. When we stop, God begins to move. Why? Because it's clear at that moment that he is our refuge, that he is our strength. It's not your scrambling. It's not your solving. It's the strength of Almighty God in you and through you. And so the question for today is, what troubles are in your life? How is, how is your world falling apart, figuratively. What does that look like for you right now? How are you running to God as your refuge and your strength, your very present help 
in a time of need? How have you stopped and, and just been silent and just been still before God to see that he is already moving in your life? Like, how have you stopped long enough, long enough to say, God, I need your help? Like, maybe some of you need to start there. You're not experiencing what I'm describing because you haven't asked for God to do that yet. You haven't stopped long enough to see God is already doing that. What I love about this psalm is a few times it says, Selah, Selah. That word literally means to be still. It's a pause. It's a break. It's a moment of silence. I think we all desire that. Especially as summer approaches, many of you have vacations coming up, times at the beach, times to get away, and you're looking forward to a, a Selah. A time to be still, a time to pause, right? But the reality is, how many vacations do we go on where we come back and say what? I'm exhausted. Right, we did a one night uh, in Sedona this week. A lot of things going on. We squeezed that out with my parents. We went to Sedona, had a quick trip, and we all came back and we were like, man, that was beautiful. That was amazing. And I'm so freaking tired, right? Like how many times have you gone on vacation how many times have you tapped into times of leisure, but you didn't actually rest or be still? This idea of Selah, this idea of being still before the Lord, it's different than that. It's a sustainable joy. It's a sustainable rest, a sustainable rescue out of your fear into the refuge, strength, and help of God. Right, that's what I want for you. That's my desire for you in this series. And, and some of you, the reality is, Fear has been gripping you. It is today. But God can change that. God's protection and his power can change that. It, it'll take some work. It'll take some work for you to actually sit and be still, quiet your soul before the Lord. A lot of us, we hate that. That's when we turn on the radio so quickly. It's when we hit the podcast button so quickly. That's when we call somebody when we're bored so quickly because we can't stand the stillness. Listen, this series, four weeks long, today, over the next four weeks, I want you to practice Selah, being still before the, God, before the Lord of the God of the universe. I want you to practice that. You're going to have to practice it because the first time you do it, you're going to want to reach for your phone because you're going to feel awkward. The first time you do it, you're going to crank up the radio because you're like, eh, I got to do something, right? Wasn't there something I had to do? Now, I want you to practice what it means to be still so that you can see God moving in your life as you stop. You can see God move as you stop. Now, some of you are thinking, Tim, that's great. I want this. But what about my schedule? What about my relationship? What about my finances? What about my stress? I mean, it's actual stuff that's going on in my life. Like, we didn't address any of that. Like, how do I do this amidst all of that? We're going to get to that over the next four weeks. So I want you to journey with me as we practice what it means to be still and talk about some of those areas. We're going to get into those things over the next three weeks together to practice what it means to be still. Some of us, I already know right now because we have this excuse as well. We have three kids. Life is busy. And some of us think, Tim, that must be nice to be still for some other people, but I don't know that I can do that in my life. Like, when am I going to have the time to be still and quiet before the Lord? That's not realistic. My, my kids are tugging on my leg all the time. When am I going to have the time amidst my job? I mean, Monday is coming. 
Listen, you have the time right now. God has you here to be still right now. There's no excuses for that time, right? There's no distractions that are worthy of your time right now. You need to be still. We're going to give you a moment to be still. We're going to sing this song, Psalm 46. We're going to actually sing it together, a version of that song. And here's what I would ask you to do. You can stand and sing and proclaim this if you would like. But you can also stay seated and practice Selah. Practice being still before the Lord. Take this moment to practice, to start being still so that you can see God as your refuge, your strength, and your help. Let me pray. Father, I want to thank you for this moment to be still. God, help us not to miss this moment. God, I pray that this moment would be a catalyst, a platform, a launching pad for us to practice what stillness looks like, not just today, but every day, to find moments where even if our body is moving, our soul can be still before you because we're resting in you and your refuge and your strength and your help. We're trusting in you. God, I pray for these men and women in real life troubles that they're going through in their relationships, in their finances, in their stress, in their sin. God, I pray in this moment that you would rescue them out of that. Rescue them out of the fear that causes so much of that. By your son, Jesus, who is tough and tender, who is strong but safe. By your son, Jesus, by his power and his protection. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that we wouldn't believe the lie that our problems are greater than your protection, but we would trust in Jesus, our Savior, our very present help in this moment as we are still before you. Meet us in that place. Father, help us. We desperately need it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.